Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody. This is Blind Pride International, and I am Byron Lee. And tonight we are doing Wednesday Wonders, which is a program all about science fiction and we have uh, a few panelists here, plus a huge group full of uh, Trekkies and, and uh, Star Wars fans and, and, and bookworms and all sorts of other sci-fi people uh, in the room with us. So uh, this is going to be a bit of a, more of an open discussion sort of thing. But uh, JD, Matt and myself are going to go over some of our favorites. And then we will go around the room and ask everyone what their favorite sci-fi books, TV shows, and um, movies are, and if they have things they want to talk about as far as sci-fi, like, where's the bathroom on the Enterprise? <laughs> then we're going to find <laughs> out. So um, I guess I'm going to start off with my favorite TV yeah. sci-fi series, and then I'll go down the down the list of people here. So for, for me, my top five, and this is Byron, not... quick. I'm sure. sorry to, to cut you off. This is Gabe. Hi, Gabe. I just wanted to really quickly, uh, most of you know me. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabriel Lopez Capari, president of BPI. Yes. We have a treat for you tonight. These guys are just amazing. I'm not a sci-fi fan, but I know that you are with the authority of authorities. <laughs> um, three members, Byron Lee, Mr. John Denning, JD, and um, one of our newest ally members, he cited uh, Matt Schwartz. Um, and uh, we, we want you to enjoy. Unfortunately, Anthony and I have other family and work commitments that we cannot stick around. But guys, trust us, you are in the best hands and you're going to have a fun discussion. We'll try to tune in as we're done with our commitments or we'll be listening on ACB radio. So have fun and go sci-fi <laughs> yay we will and thank you for giving us this platform to to hang out in of and... course no absolutely yeah. absolutely and Byron, then... if, if if i leave now that you're host is it okay i think, I it, will think okay, it will right? be you know if there's okay. a okay, uh... anthony's confirming that it will be fine okay so i'll leave and we'll tune in occasionally as, as sounds good and if there's a tear in the space, space time continuum we'll let you know <laughs> Okay. Awesome. All <laughs> right. There you go. Though. Thank you, awesome, Gabriel. Guys. Awesome guys and gals. Everyone have fun. All right. Sounds good. We will. <clears throat> and Gabriel is going to, uh, later on, they're going to do a presentation about uh, like dramas and comedies and stuff. And I know that that's much more Gabe's jam. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say about his favorite uh, media. Um, all right. So my favorite sci-fi TV series, you know, these are, these are TV shows, not movies or books, and they're not in any particular order, but I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who. I have TARDISes all over my house. They are littered all over my office. I'm a huge fan. And of course, following Doctor Who, I, I should tell you guys what Doctor Who is about just briefly. It is about a an alien who travels through time and space, and his time machine happens to look like a British call box it's a blue box with a, a light on top of it and it's what they used to put um they used to have a telephone on the outside of the box and if you were having problems you could pick up one of those phones and call the police and inside the box i don't know if they kept people in there or if they kept supplies in there does anybody know anything about the history of the police call box 
Uh, yes, they would actually put somebody there until they can be picked up by, say, like a paddy wagon. <laughs> yeah, so like an officer would maybe use that as a temporary uh, holding yeah, area. Stuff you in the box. Oh, no. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so the doctor would, uh, you know, find companions throughout time and space and bring them along with him on his adventures. And um, eventually, William Hartnell uh had to bow out of the series and so they figured well what do we do do we just end it here or do we figure out some way to keep this series going and so um they ended up using regeneration um at, you know to to be able to have somebody else take over and so we've had well officially i think we've had like 13 doctors but then because of some time warps and you know uh, there's i'm not going to spoil anything for anybody but there's more than 13 we're not going to go into unto why because that'll spoil things no spoiler sweetie but uh, that's a little bit about doctor who the <clears throat> the other one that i loved was a british uh tv series a little mini series uh of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy written by douglas adams and a little bit of side trivia there um douglas adams has written several episodes for doctor who so go douglas adams one of my uh favorite tv wow, shows <laughs> yeah you didn't know that oh yeah he's no. you should check out there's a a lost episode called shada s-h-a-d-a and uh big finish is a organization that does audio dramas based on doctor who and the some of the stuff is uh old scripts that kind of got reworked into audio dramas and um shada written by douglas adams was one of those so um one of the other sci-fi shows that i loved was quantum leap which was uh, a show that i'd come home every day to and watch after school and i must have watched that go around a couple of times scott bakula who was also the captain of the starship enterprise in the star star trek series enterprise scott bakula played sam beckett who uh is going back in time to put what to put right what once was wrong and uh, that was a great show and right after that was sliders Sliders was a, a, a show where people would go from dimension to dimension to parallel universes and parallel Earths. So they might be on a regular Earth, and then they move to an Earth where, um, you know, uh, the Confederacy won the Civil War. Or they show up on an Earth where the women are in power and the men are kind of subservient slaves. <laughs> and um, so <laughs> it's an interesting show of all the different strange things that can happen in the world. Um, so let's see, uh, JD, do you want to tell us about some of your favorite sci-fi TV shows? Sure. Um, generally I don't do a list of favorites because there's so many I like and I will concurrently like, so I, I just sort of hate like somebody asking what's your favorite food? Well, yeah. gosh, it depends what day of the week it is. Um, but, 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 but. But, but, but I'm going to do a list. Uh, top of the list is going to be Babylon 5. Ooh. Me, it was just done brilliantly. It was consistent. There were scenes from season four in season one because they filmed it so they could do that. There was no inconsistencies in the story whatsoever. And the acting was great. And, and I just loved the characters. And probably watched all episodes a dozen times by now. I tried really hard to get into sci-fi, and as you can tell from my list, I like the campy stuff. Um, you know, Doctor Who and the Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, the stuff with comic relief. But um, I, I need to, now that I'm older, 
I need to sit down and watch Babylon 5 because I didn't like Stargate Universe or Stargate SG-1 when it first came out because I wasn't into the whole milita- militarization of, you know, sci-fi. Um, and then I got older and I liked I liked Stargate. So I'm going to have to give well, that one a try again. It's true that sometimes you approach something once and you're, ah, and you approach it another time and you're in a different frame of mind. You, yeah, what was I saying the first time? What was I but, thinking? Uh, B5 does have its humor, definitely. It seems like they would do sometime a really deep, serious episode. And then another episode is a lot, a lot lighter, sort of like Star Trek did with the Trouble with Tribbles, you know, mm-hmm. hardly hardcore science. Right, you know, that, of course. That, that, that was comic relief. And, and you know, but uh, I, I love it when they do that, bring humor to the characters because it rounds out the characters. You, you have this real person not just this militaristic yeah dark you know I, so so that is on the top of my science fiction list um let's see what okay another one and this one i doubt anybody's gonna know except maybe byron <laughs> blake seven. Oh yes yes a british <laughs> another british thing <laughs> yes uh this was from the 70s and they ended it horribly. Just, oh, oh sliders God. ended it, it badly too. It, it was yeah. a story, but it, it, it wasn't ending. But it was, no, no, no. Um, but I loved it. I loved the Paul Darrow, the uh, the main character, and I have not found it available. I mean, you can pull episodes from YouTube, but I've not found a, a legitimate source for it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, otherwise I would buy the. I, can't remember how that's kind of crazy that that doesn't have anything legitimate as far as because i mean big finish also did blake's seven audio dramas which were really good that's yeah. how i found out about them about blake's seven so yeah, it, it has a following and it is that campy thing the, the special effects are horrible it's mm-hmm. low budget you know very reminiscent but the stories of were the good early, yeah uh, doctor who mm-hmm. but the stories were good. They were more about about the people, the characters, and their their drama and their lives and what, what was happening to them. Uh, so that would be another one I like. And then you can name pretty much any, you know. Yes, all the I I, I grew up with Star Trek. Of, of course. course. I mean, I remember seeing the very first episode on TV, and that was you know a, a ritual I had. No, nobody messed with me when it was Star Trek night, and. Um, Oh boy, I, I grew up with Time Tunnel and I, I love that. That's campy and, and some crazy episodes and some some serious episodes and uh I really love that. That was definitely sixties sci fi and, and that's still available now. Yeah, that was definitely oh, a weird show and course, I like the yeah. big long spirally tunnel thing. Yeah. 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 The the uh, the visual effects for the day the you know what they created. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it was a, a typical Irwin Allen production. Oh, totally. And that would be, you know, you can name any other TV series, and I probably watched it and loved it, like <laughs> Fringe and, and and the ones you mentioned. And you know, they're all all great. But those would be, you know, that B five particularly is my go to TV series. So so let's alienate people because I've already alienated anyone who liked Babylon Five by saying, "Oh, I couldn't get into it." So can you name a sci fi show that you tried to watch and everybody raves about it, and you're just like, "Meh, I can't get into this." 
the early Doctor Who. I never. Oh, the classic Who! How dare you! How dare you! (laughs) (laughs) I saw one episode once, and he had a thing of uh, (laughs) of, um, oh vegetable in his lapel. Oh, the the Um, celery in his the stock of celery on his cricket. Celery, celery, and I thought, okay, come on, there's something wrong with this series. (laughs) Yeah, it is definitely weird. Yeah. Well, um, what about you, Matt? Tell us about some of your favorite sci-fi TV series. Yeah, so I don't watch. I mean, I, I, I grew up, of course, watching Star Trek and um, and Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. Ah, uh, yeah, which doesn't really hold up that oh, yeah. well, but it's kind of a yeah. kind of a fascinating. It's still a fascinating show. I mean, it's still a weird, it's a weird, fascinating show. But um, but it's actually stuck in my mind. Um, the it's crazy that you mentioned Sliders, which actually is one of my favorite shows of all time. Which is, and again, I'm not even the biggest sci-fi buff. I'm more horror. But Sliders, I found fascinating um, and just enough serialized that I wouldn't kick myself if I missed an episode, but you still were invested in the characters. Um, but I think for me, the, um, you know, I mean, as someone who loves books and stories, um, I mean, The Twilight Zone is my favorite. And weirdly enough, I'm, I'm probably one of the only people in the world. Um, who actually thinks the 1980s version of the Twilight Zone is even better, mostly because they were able to not care about, um, they were able to not care uh, because it was an hour and they had multiple stories in each episode, they were able to have every story be exactly as long as it should be. So if a story yeah. should be five minutes long, it would be five minutes long, as opposed to the originals, where especially those hour-long episodes <laughs> felt padded. Um, and the outer limits as well for oh, you know for a darker take the, on it. The new one or um, the older one? Did you, did you the, like the, 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 the original older. outer limits for me? The original outer limits for me, and then for Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone and the '80s Twilight Zone. Not so much the last couple incarnations of Twilight Zone, the, yeah. uh, the '90s or the one even from last year, which I didn't, wasn't a big fan of. Um, but the um, you know, so I think. Um, so I think those those self-contained stories really did it for me, which, again, probably lends to why I do like Slider so much, which is there was enough self-contained there um, and, you know, some humor as well. Um, and so I think that's kind of where, um, you know, where my uh, where my where my real love is. Um, and outside of that, I would say just probably because of the age I was and we mentioned this last week as well is the TV movies and subsequently the series, which flaked out for V um, at least got me in the direction of looking more at kind of alien invasion books and series and movies. Um, Again, even though I didn't think they quite knew what to do with it once they, uh, once they went to a TV show. Um, But those are probably my favorites. Um, But Twilight Zone, Outer Limits are definitely things I still watch over and over to this day. What um, about some, what about some things that, uh, you know, sort of bring horror and sci-fi together a little more? Um, can you think of anything that stands out? I mean, that's movies sort of... for, I mean, movies for me, I mean, less in terms of TV shows. Um, you know, I think, um, I mean, I think V at least went in that direction in that it was, it was a pretty grim, pretty grim setup. Um, even if it was a little more, you know, you know, good versus evil. But I mean, you know, my, I mean, most of my influences in terms of, of movies are things like alien or invasion of the body snatchers, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of use sci-fi as a backdrop to usually something, something bigger. And usually the idea that 
human beings are probably worse than anything else you can here's, here's a, find out in the universe. Here's a really campy uh, mixture of sci-fi and horror, um, only because the creature comes from outer space and for no other reason than that. But Little Shop of Horrors. It's amazing. Yeah, you mean the movie or the oh, movie? Yes. Yeah. Both. yeah, with, uh, yeah. with um, uh, Rick Moranis. Well, musical movie. Yes. Oh, me. Yeah. I mean, I, weirdly yeah. enough, my first horror movie I ever saw, the first horror movie I ever saw in my life um, was The Blob. And as stupid as it is, it completely <laughs> traumatized me yeah. at, the age, at the age of five. And it's a really, I mean, it's a really, it's a, it's the, the, the mindlessness of it I find very terrifying. And I actually still find, I find the idea of it very terrifying. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm not going to say The Blob is one of my favorite movies of all time, but it certainly is, it's influential for me in terms of um, it's, it's very influential for me in terms of the path it, it put me down with with science fiction. Totally. Well, let's let's slide into movies because we kind of started doing that a little bit. And, and uh, for anyone who's just joining us, um, we're going to open things up and make this more of an open discussion. Um, we have just a few talking points and then we're going to open it up for you guys to wax poetic about movies, TV or uh, books or any other form of sci fi. <laughs> Um, not sure what other f- sort of forms of sci-fi there are. Maybe maybe sci-fi themed food. I don't know. Uh, but let's get into <laughs> let's get into movies first, and then books. Um, so I'm just gonna rattle off a kind of a couple of my favorites that really you know had a huge impact for me. One of the hey, earliest ones, one? sure. Yes. Hello. Uh, can I interject one thing before we start on the movies? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello. Yeah. You, yep. You're with me? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I'm okay. with you. Yep. Okay. I hear you. Um, just what what is science fiction? Because that's, you know, that's really the, the, the big question that a lot of people have. And I've been discussing it with other people uh, recently. And there's so many misconceptions or limitations that people put on science fiction. And if you look it up, if you Google it and look up the, the Wikipedia article on science fiction and, and defining science fiction, you see even the masters of science fiction would debate this amongst themselves. There, there's no solid consensus that they can nail it down. If it's in this box, it's mm-hmm. science fiction. If it's out of this box, it's not science fiction. But I'd like to just read one little quote from Damon Knight, a, a renowned science fiction author. Author, I can't speak. My mouth. Oh, stop um, it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Science fiction is what we point to when we say science fiction. In other <laughs> words, he's saying it can really be anything. Oh, you know, I'm so glad uh, that you some... went in that direction. <laughs> Because, you know, there is so much gatekeeping and angry fanboys and people who want to put everything in a box or put a label on it all. And I, I like that. What is sci-fi? You, if well, you point at it and say that's sci-fi, it's sci-fi. Yeah. Um, well, what, what bothers me is just the, is the other end of the people who don't, oh, I don't like it because it's just about gadgets. Well, no, it isn't. You can have books with no gadgets at all. Alternate Histories by Harry Turtledove. Yeah, fantastic stories. Yeah, okay. I I just had to, I wanted to interject that before we got too far. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I mean, I, sci, to the reason I was attracted to sci-fi was the gadgets, of course. You know, the phasers and the starships yeah. oh, and all yeah. that. 
But but sci-fi is so great for me because um honestly I will read anything that's a good story. And there is a lot in the sci-fi genre that is a good story. Um because it it takes the limitations away and lets you explore the world in a fantastical way that's not limited by reality. Um some people get really uppity and say, well, you know, science fiction is supposed to be about science. And if it's not enough about science, then I can't believe it. And I, I get that. Like, I'm I'm not here to say that anyone's opinion is wrong. But I, I like the fact that science fiction can strip away our current understanding of the world and suppose a few things here and there um, that could theoretically be true. And now you've got a world that's completely alien to you and me. And then your story yeah. can just grow and do all kinds of crazy stuff. I was just yesterday reading something by Stan Lee uh, of uh, Marvel fame, for mm-hmm. those who don't know. But uh, he defines it, or he, he says it's what if. Yeah, what and- if a boy gets bit by a radioactive spider? And I know What if a scientist gets zapped by gamma rays? That's that's how he takes it. What if? And I know so many people who would say, well, comic books are not sci-fi. Well, I mean, oh, no, they definitely I are. think they are. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, that's a really great thought. And I, and I, I love that. Thank you for, for, for reading that quote, because I never would have thought of that. Um, so some of my favorite sci-fi movies, I'm just going to name a few. Um, one of my absolute like defining movies in my life. There were so many in the in the early '80s that that made me realize how much of a sci-fi geek I am. But one of the first ones was the Flight of the Navigator. Oh yes, just oh watch that. Again. Yeah, <laughs> we saw that in a drive-in theater, <clears throat> and my dad, who already knew that was into gadgets, he had given me the speaker that was hanging off the side of the of the window, and he said, "See if you can make the next movie start." He knew that wasn't going to work, right? But I didn't know that. So I'm twisting knobs and I'm trying to get it to go and it's not going. And finally the movie starts. And then it's this movie about spaceships and this weird alien thing and this kid. And I was like, I put this movie on and I love it. And it's so me. (laughs) So that was a great memory. And of course, (laughs) The Explorers was another one that was kind of like that where... uh, the, these kids build their own spaceship because they ha- this, they're all having this sort of collective dream of a circuit board. And um, they, they go out to a junkyard and they find like an old carnival ride and they, they stick all this stuff on it and this old Apple IIe computer. And now they have a, <laughs> a, a force field around the spaceship and they make it airtight and they have oxygen tanks and everything. And they're flying it around their town and terrorizing the town. And um, finally they fly off into outer space and they meet the aliens and it's awesome. So <laughs> works for me. I love that. And of course, I, I couldn't uh, do this show without mentioning Back to the Future. That entire trilogy was huge, huge for me because I'm such a big time travel fan. So I love the DeLorean. I love Mark. I love Marty. I love Doc Brown. Um, I wanted my own hoverboard. I thought that, I don't know, as a naive kid that didn't know any better, I thought hoverboards existed and I thought I could somewhere buy one and i told my dad i wanted a hoverboard and i just got a skateboard and i'm like a skateboard that's for babies <laughs> you have to use wheels <laughs> so matt uh matt could you tell me some of your i know that you kind of uh, sort of alluded yeah, to this I a mean, little mine, bit but... i mean mine are a little um i think uh i think mine go a little more towards the the darker side 
um, which is probably not going to be a shock to, 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 to <laughs> you. Um, but the, um, yeah, the, um, but I think, um, I mean, uh, I mentioned it before, but Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the 70s was hugely influential on me um, and actually was probably one of the first science fiction novels I read as well, The Body Snatchers by Jack Finney. Um, after seeing the movie, oh, such a and good. And then, yeah, it's great. It's a great book. It's a great movie. The original, I mean, they're all great. I mean, all the movies based on it are great. Um, almost all the movies based on it are great. And um, and you know, but I also am a fan of dystopia stuff. I mean, from an early age, I think A Clockwork Orange really kind of shocked me and warped me into thinking as science fiction not just as being outer space but as just a different kind of reality or a different way of living um and i think i saw that movie probably younger than i should have and uh and it really you know really bothered me um and i also was weirdly bothered even as a teenager by seeing fritz lang's metropolis um you know uh you know another dystopian you know another dystopian world actually you know and um and also the idea of, again, kind of um, just a life that doesn't even seem worth living in some ways. And uh, and I really, so I, I, you know, I love dystopian stuff. I mean, of recent movies, Snowpiercer from a few years ago, you know, also hits that mix for me of being like satire and also kind of horrific science fiction as well. I mean, you'll you'll note a theme in mind that they are probably not very science based. I mean, that they... They are science, but they're not um, they're not using science first and foremost. Um, I love time travel as well. I mean, I love Donnie Darko, which, again, is a is a weird take on time travel. But one, they think that um, just emotionally kind of um, hit home for me. Um, Back to the Future certainly is up there as well. Um, but I mean, there's like, again, I love kind of quiet science fiction, like lo-fi sci-fi as well. For time travel, there was one a few years ago called The Sound of My Voice, um, which, again, is, uh, you know, makes you think. And and certainly, uh, again, I'm not going to promise that the science isn't frustrating in some ways if you're trying to look for something that 100 percent makes sense. And yet it just, um, you know, for what it's worth, it just uh, I think when time travel is done right, it really works um, when it doesn't. It doesn't for me. Um, you know, and, and again, of recent movies that can be frustrating, but I still think I return to time and time again is like, is the first matrix movie, um, which I think to be fair, I just went in thinking it was going to be, you know, a steaming turd. And it turned out to be something that really, um, made me think more, more than, more than not more than I expected. I have something to say Um, about the matrix real quick before you move on from that. Sure. No, that's it. Yeah. So when I when I was watching all of the special, like there was, the Matrix was hyped big time. It was yeah. very very um, popular on television, talking about it, specials on MTV about it, whatnot. But they focused on all all the graphics and they focused on the martial arts. And I did not want to see this movie when it when we first went to go see it. I really wanted to go see the virus. That was the movie I yeah, picked yeah. out, but nobody else wanted to see that. <laughs> And we went and saw The Matrix, and I was kind of annoyed because I thought it was going to be a martial arts movie. I didn't know it was going to be so cool. And I walked out of there looking at my own hand, questioning, is this real? Are you yeah. real? So, yeah. yeah. Very Descartian. It really messed with my mind. 
JD, yeah. um, I think it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm no, with that was both it. That was all you. Yeah, I'm with both of you on on the Matrix because I I I've, was not really interested in like you say of the martial arts movie, but it had a good deep Descartes kind of story. So love that. Um, I've got a few movies that uh, again not in order. Matter of fact, I I, I specifically put them in order of uh, release year. Uh, Day the Earth Stood Still, 1951. Uh, to me, that that is a, a class. Well, it is a classic, <laughs> sure. but uh, it it spoke to the the fears of, of uh, humanity and our propensity towards war. And it, it to me, it had a good story and a good message. Forbidden Planet, uh, 1956. Okay a very yep. good year mm-hmm. uh, i love that movie i love the original they're t- i've heard that they're thinking of making a remake and I, I i hope not just like the remake forbidden planet no thank you i don't like it at all yeah but uh this this spoke of of our our inner fears our id super ego and uh who you know what's the who's the master of you know our our fears or us and uh i i like that um now one okay you guys get a, a brownie point if you know this one enemy mine i love enemy mine i have not seen it i had i had a couple hours that, to go watch that, it so i could pretend like that, i knew what you're talking about I'm, i just didn't do it <laughs> i'm pretty sure it would hold up without audio description because it's very character you know that it's just two main characters an alien and a human uh enemies there was a, a a, a war between humans and and this race and they both get shot down they shoot each other down on this planet they're the only ones on the planet and they have to work together to survive and they become friends and i i love the message i love the filming of the movie and it is just it i never heard of it outside of i first came across it on a laser disc oh wow and, uh, so it's kind of it's, a rare find worth- yeah, it, it's worth looking looking up. I have and to do the last that. one yeah, I'll mention is Fifth Element. Oh, that's oh. the campy kind. I love it. That I was guess. so good. <laughs> yeah. I saw yeah, that I at just... the mall movie theater while waiting for my mom to get out of work. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife wants to hit me with something because I can sit there quoting the movie. I can just do the dialogue <laughs> along with it. <laughs> so. I love that one. It's just if you haven't seen it, it, it it is campy. It's fun. It's Bruce Willis. There's action. Not you know. There's some mm-hmm. violence, but it's not about that. Um, My husband always threatens to grow his bangs out and dress like the emperor. <laughs> the president. Sorry. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, s- since you spoke up, I I want to um, open it up because you guys have all been waiting patiently for half an hour now to talk, and we are going to get into movies later. I'm not. I'm sorry, not movies. I'm books. Books. Yes, we're going to get into books later, so save those for for just a little bit later. Uh, and we're also going to get into LBGTQ characters in sci-fi. Um, so hold on to those thoughts until a little bit later. But um, I wanted to open it up to the rest of the group. I know that Leah specifically said, I really want to contribute some stuff. So Leah, if you're still here and you'd like to contribute, um, you know, you can unmute yourself. Actually, I do not see her in the list. I am in the list. There you are. Yay. 
I am in the list. I'm like, I'm here. All right. You're having nerdgasms through this whole thing. Thank you for waiting you, patiently you for. Are, uh, I know I'm chomping at the bit. As soon as I heard that thing about having <laughs> hair in the shape of uh, Hubert's, the emperor's head in the fifth element. Oh yes. my God, I about lost my mind. I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, but I have so many interests when it comes to sci-fi. As everybody was talking, I was getting all these, you know how you have that nine degrees of Kevin Bacon, but Kevin Bacon isn't really there. Mm-hmm. And you just have one idea spurs another idea. And all these movies just started coming flooding. Because I said, I know all this sci-fi stuff, but I feel kind of like, autistic i can't remember anything yeah you told me you're like i'm not sure if i'm gonna be able to come up with anything and now you've got all the things and and now the now the door just blew off yeah um the top of my list which kind of goes against the grain with the gay characters but i'm gonna just mention it is lost girl Mm -hmm. that's a tv show um that's bo the bisexual incubus who's coming to terms with her special powers um another tv show i really love love or love most of mine i've always gotten canceled except for doctor who which you and i <laughs> i'm a big lover of time travel too yes I just, I just there's just something about it just gets me um stitchers is kind of another one where the main chick lays in this vat and then in the other vat they have somebody that recently died and they're trying to find out who oh yeah that was I weird that show that was it definitely was so weird cool and then travelers is another one that's kind of on the same well not really well people who are in the future yeah they're in the post-apocalyptic future it stars the one guy from will and grace kevin mccormick is it kevin mccormick or is it i can't remember his first name. i am terrible at uh, actors and actresses names i don't I know, know it's mccormick maybe it's eric mccormick that's what it is mm-hmm. anyway travelers and they come back a group of them come back and they find host bodies and they're trying to change things so that they don't have as many people die in the future. And what's really warped that about that is that, like, okay, if if someone's about to die, they're like five seconds away from death, somebody's yeah. mind will be sent back, you know, uploaded to that past person's body. And they're going to yep. die anyway, so their brain gets wiped out. And then they've been trained in how to escape from that, you know deathly you know that deadly scenario and then go on and right. change things from the from the past and there's factions and everything and it's it's described and it's really good crazy yeah yeah and then of course doctor who of my course. lucky number is 13 so yeah you and i are twinsies woman we, you and i are twinsies you know? as far as doctor who yeah oh my god i mean my wife she got me the uh, doctor who tardis mm-hmm. lego set christmas the one year and i just absolutely loved it and she got me this chocolate you know there's stuff like kind of everywhere that's Um, awesome i did like sliders um battlestar galactica that i really liked especially with katie sackoff that version where she plays kara thrace Mm -hmm. um i liked that and part of it was you know my ex she loved battlestar galactica i got into it but i loved it myself but I got to meet most of the main cast at Dragon Con back in 2010. I got to meet uh, Katie Sackoff, Edward James almost. Um, and then the guy with the patch. I had a good conversation with him, but I don't oh. know his his formal name. Anyway, sideline, sorry. That's something that um, I could probably talk, do a whole show about too, is just experiences at science fiction conventions because I've been to so many. Yeah. But TV shows, 11, 22, 63. Yes! Ah! Yeah. Ah! Yes! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes! That is... And then you have, like, Eureka. Oh, I loved Eureka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Colin, Colin Ferguson is my man crush. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely, 100%. That's another experience we can talk about some other time. Sweet. Did... Um, 
There was a TV show on, it lasted one season. I loved it. This was during the year of everything, every single show I like gets canceled. What, <sighs> what's going on here? It's because it's life on Fox. on Mars. Because it's science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. But there was yeah, a show called Life on Mars where the guy is in an accident. He goes back to 1973. And this, I, I forget the whole premise of it, but I know it got canceled. So what they did in the very end, they made it look like everybody was in some kind of a spaceship looking through his eyes rather than what was kind oh. of the premise of the whole show because they were pissed off at the producers or whatever. I really want to watch that show. I, I haven't seen, I know there's a UK version of it and I watched a couple of episodes and then I just lost, I didn't lose interest. I just, um, I was, well, okay. Truth be told, I was downloading it and it was kind of a pain in the ass to download it because I was doing it in a way that wasn't easy. And so I just kind of gave up. But it was a great show, right. and you know I really want to go back now that now that getting stuff online is easier. So, um, right, Sean, I heard you pipe in there for a second. Did you have oh, something? I was just wondering if if anybody uh, had attended the Doctor Who convention in LA. I no. went for several years, but haven't been recently. I haven't, but there is a thing called Chicago TARDIS, which I really want to go to. Um, yep, I, I haven't been there yet. Cool. You, you know what, Sean? What would be fun and interesting? And Joe Steinkamp and I have talked about this in the past about hosting a panel about blindness and Doctor Who. Because there, there has been quite a bit about God, vision awesome. and blindness and yep. Doctor Who. So That would be freaking cool. The Doctor even went blind. Um, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'll just say at well, some yeah. point in the Doctor's timeline, he went blind, which was really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. That was cool. the season, um, the last Capaldi season. Yep. So we have a lot of people in here who probably would like to speak about TV shows or movies. Um, yeah. Does anybody else want to pipe in? This is Michael Byington, and uh, I am just amazed with all of the obscure and camp science fiction and horror that you all have talked about that nobody has mentioned. Uh, a Boy and His Dog, which was based uh, on a, a uh, Harlan Ellison uh, novella. And also, let's not forget the role of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, oh. which was originally a stage show in London. So, and Rocky Horror, I was I was going to mention Dr. Frankenfurter um, as one of the LBGTQ characters, but yes, Rocky Horror, the song opening is science fiction, the, the, the science fiction double feature. I love that song so much. Well, I think my favorite song from that uh, show is uh, Touch Me, Touch Me, Touch Me, Touch, 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 touch Me, I Want to Be Dirty. <laughs> That's such a good song. <laughs> Indeed. And but we're going to be... Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a wonderful connection with the LGBTQ <laughs> community with uh, Dr. Frankenfurter, and uh, th there's actually a number of other... Uh, sexual variations in that movie that are just fascinating if you really watch it looking for that. That is so cool. You know, we, we should, <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking of other shows we could do and it would be really fun to do that get some real major fans of Rocky Horror and talk about how impactful it has been. <laughs> well, thank you, for, thank you for your thoughts on that. I really appreciate that because I love, I love both of those things. Um, Rocky yeah. Horror is just awesome. Did anybody else have any thoughts about movies or TV shows? Hello, yeah. uh, this is Jessica. Can Hello. you hear me? Yep, Jessica, Hello. we hear you. And I heard somebody else will get to you after Jessica. Hello. Yeah. I'm a brand new member, so I'm really happy to have found you all. Um, 
So I have a movie in two books. Um, the Alert movie, which I don't know if um, for energy you may or may not have heard, it is called Short Circuit. It's from way back in the oh, 1980s. Oh, yes. So Short yeah. Circuit and Short Circuit 2. Johnny Five is alive. He's a military robot that comes alive and ends up being just a sweet personality. Oh. And I really attach to that because... When I was a teenager, I really didn't have a lot of friends, so I would write all these stories about things around me just coming to life and, like, getting these personalities. So I went back and I watched that um, recently and kind of enjoyed it. It was cute and whatever. Hey, laser lips. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by no the way, disassemble. Did check, out, check out how he could flip through books like I mean, that was the fastest OCR I've ever oh, seen. Oh, wouldn't that be great if you could just scan your books like... That would be amazing. I mean, I know Stephanie, that some people's uh, screen readers... Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie, reassemble. Yes, Stephanie, let me read your book cool. to you, which I scanned in under 30 seconds. I, I know that some blind people have their screen readers uh, fast enough to go... But jeez. Yes. <laughs> so, Wes, you uh, you chimed in there? Yeah, so I just like to say, as for my favorite sci-fi, I'm gonna say for me and like probably for a lot of other people, like my favorite series movies are Star Trek. But after that, somebody mentions Doctor Who. I'm really into Doctor Who, and the thing is, and also right now, I'm got into Stargate. I got on the Hulu subscription. Yeah, oh, it's on Hulu. Okay. And I'm watching Stargate, you know, SG one right now, but I but I got also got access to Universe and Atlantis too. Haven't gotten to those. And so also, is this your like first about, watching or have you seen it before? But my first watching. Oh, you're in but for a treat. What I like about both Doctor Who and Stargate is that it steps up our technology from the gadget, which consists of an airtight container with a life support system and a propulsion system attached, a.k.a. a spaceship that physically moves from planet to planet. This is up to the next step that solves the problems of that technology. So like it with the TARDIS and the Stargate for instant travel between far away, you know, places. I mean, that's, that's really cool. And I have the entire series of the Space 1999 on DVD, and I have a lot of Doctor Who DVDs uh, in my collection too. And so, and the thing is, and also as for books, I like to bring up this one book which intrigues me. I read it once when I was younger, teenager. No, I was like a teenager kid. I've seen this, and then I was able to find it again on T-Bats. I'm talking book and Braille services, and I read it as a talking book just a couple years ago. And it's very intriguing. The idea is it's about this entire mobile city. Alert from and calendar. It's, a, it's Apply about, for energy assistance. And it's about a city that's uh, mounted up on wheels that rolls on railroad tracks. It's like it. I didn't know it was the size of a city, but like a big vehicle. People, residents refer to it as a city. And the idea is the city's on Earth, but somehow Earth is in the form of a, is shaped like a hyperbola. And the ground keeps moving from the pole out to the equator and, you know, along this hyperbola. And to keep the city surviving, it has to keep moving to not go off the edge 
of the hyperbola or equator of the earth and fall into space or something. <clears throat> oh, wow. So what they have to do, they got to take up the track, the railroad track behind the city, bring it around to the front, and then relay the track in front of it. You know, then they would use winches to move the city. Weird. What, what's and the name, what's the name of this book? Interesting. But then there are these residents that live, you know, in the earth around, they still think it's earth or they think they got separate from, but on this planet where they are, they keep coming across these inhabitants, you know, which and they are take some to use to help, uh, you know, to help expand their population in the city, like the women, and then they use them as help or slaves, you know, for uh, help do the work around the city. And in the end, they found out it was like this device that this guy invented that provides energy for the city was warping all. Some are doing something to the people in the city, warping their minds to make them think they're on this hyperbola shaped earth. Well, and they wind up at an ocean shore and trying to build a bridge across it, but it's the first ocean they came across thinking they can bridge over it. And now the city can't go anymore, but before it really fell off the edge of the earth that's kind of when the book ends but it's a really interesting book a really interesting concept is by christopher priest and i wonder has anybody else ever read the inverted world i have not anybody else no no no, no. i haven't i i'm gonna Reminds have to check that out who episode pirate planet though well, it kind of sort of reminded me of the movie, um, not 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 the mechanics of like the the vehicle and all that stuff, but a city that wanders or a city that moves. It reminded me of a a movie called The Wandering Earth, and you mm. know the Earth is basically trying to find another habitable solar system, and it's been outfitted with rockets and stuff to move it, you know, to to somewhere better. Um, did did has anybody seen a movie called The Forbin Project? Oh yeah, oh, Colossus. The the was that the yeah, yeah the like, computer yeah. that I mean, takes like, over and yeah, yeah, I kind of turn, yeah. and uh, and also you know what turn over defensive to, to the computer and also I'm trying to find out I didn't know this is a Foreman project but the thing is seen the show when I was way when I was like little taught about this computer that went crazy and it controlled this building and, and it was like detected woman she walked down oh, the hall yeah. turn out was that house. If I caught her with an elevator door, and I could not ever find mm-hmm. a description of this, I've been like looking for it online. That sounds that like sounds house. like one. Yeah. Re- oh, I think sounds, so. There's there's some horror films, or sort of they used to replay them on TBS. There was like the big, 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 big bus, and uh, something called House, where the house became sentient and killed everybody in it. And that sounds familiar, but that yeah. that's not quite the form. I know that but, trope has been done a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, your Alexa just might just might kill you or it might order you a whole bunch of toilet paper and be really nice to you. Indeed, yeah. And masks. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, before we move on I to have an old, oh, go ahead. I have an old TV show. Yes. Go for it. Uh, who's speaking. This is Kathy. Hi, Kathy. I'm a new, I'm a new member. Awesome. Um, Welcome. This is, this is pretty campy. Uh, lost in space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. oh, I love lost in space. Another Irwin oh, yeah. Allen show. Did you know that they actually made a uh, well? They made a movie, of course, which was kind of yeah. awful. But the sci-fi, the the yeah, uh, the Netflix a... remake was actually pretty good. The the new one, the new series. Yeah, that is pretty good. There's still yeah. supposed to be another season coming out, but yep. uh, that that was good. That's awesome. Better than the movie. Um, the, as far as books, the Isaac Asimov series. Mm. The robots. 
or robot the Foundation series or robot? Yeah, like iRobot. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, iRobots. That has to be. I think that's my favorite sci-fi. Are any of you familiar with Escape Pod podcast? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I'm glad Mm -hmm. you mentioned that because we didn't. I didn't have podcasts in the list, but um, Escape Pod is an excellent. I think they release like a, an episode every couple of days or once a week where it's short science fiction stories and it's such a good podcast. Yeah. So I'm really they've glad you been around you... a long time. Yes. They, they've been around since 2005 when I first started listening to podcasts. Yeah. So there's a great inventory available. Yeah. Thanks you should do in this show. You should check it out. Yeah. I, we're going to have to do this again sometime because I don't think we could possibly cover everything in the amount of time we have. Yeah. So I it, it's, uh, one thing we, we didn't mention is what movies and so forth we've mentioned that uh, have audio description. And I, I know Flight of the Navigator has audio description. <clears throat> that's on uh, uh, Disney a, Plus. A lot of them don't. Yeah, that's on Disney Plus. Yep. Thank I heard, you, Disney. I heard somebody Hi, try to. Hi, in Canada calling. Can we have a chat too? Hi, come on in. Who Who is it? Hey, Donald from Canada. Hey, Donald. Yeah. Um, I like the the uh, young lady that mentioned about Lost in Space because, of course, Doctor Smith in real life he was a gay man, so that's kind of fun. Yes, yes, and um, a series I'm not sure any of you might know, being mostly American, but it was called Star Lost as a TV series. What was it called? Star Lost. I don't think I've seen no, that. I'm not familiar with it. It was a Canadian production, and it had um, Keir Dulay. Is anyone familiar with that actor? Oh, that sounds really cool. You know, Canada has a really neat channel. Uh, it used to be called Space, and I think they yeah, changed it. Yeah, um, CTV Sci-Fi. Yeah, they changed the yeah. name of it. I kind of like the, the old uh, name. The Keir Lake uh, actor, he was also in 2001 A Space Odyssey. He was Dave. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. I knew the name was familiar, but I couldn't say where. Dave. Yeah. He was a Canadian actor, which was nice. But in the Star Lost uh, series that we ran up here, it was Ark flying through space because the earth had destroyed itself and it all had all these domes of different cultures of people and these three young people traveled from the different domes because they were lost in the ark trying to save it before it destroyed itself falling into a star oh that's really um, a friend of mine introduced us to star lost and we watched uh five or six episodes is that available online anywhere or do you kind of have to find it i think he got the dvds but i don't remember yeah i've got it on dvd it's really cool um, I'm going to think one of the movies you probably aren't familiar with, because I'm a little older than the rest of you, I think. How about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Oh, yes. Or another really good one, too, along the sort of TV and movie series is, um, oh, it's about a submarine, uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Oh, sure. The, the original yeah, pilot movie. Yeah, yeah like the original. That, yeah. The actor, the, the main lead actor, man, he was hot. Oh, God. <laughs> Doesn't Captain Nemo and the Nautilus show up again in Voyage to the Center of the Earth where they're out on the... I can't remember the details. It's been so long since I've seen it. No, 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 but no, no. Going, You're thinking what of, am I thinking um, of? Um, oh. uh, the, uh, the, the, the island. Uh... Island of Time for Yeah, Yeah, uh, where Captain Nemo actually has the Nautilus under in a cavern under that island yeah uh, right but i thought that they right. showed up in 
in tra Journey to the Center of the Earth. No. no. Am I misremembering? I'm stick my nose in there from Canada and say hi and let you know about a few things up here. Nice to chat with you. I'm really glad you did. And we're, we're going to be talking about books in a few minutes here. Um, so we'll open things up again for people to talk about books. Um, before we move on to that, though, did anybody else want to get a word in about TV or film? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Jeff and it's an please. old show from the 60s. I saw Someone with a head of, um, somebody start talking first. It, the name I, of it was called Them. Them, yes. I remember that. Yeah. Very good. Lisa, I heard you pipe in there. Uh, what were you saying? Well, is it my turn or is it the last person's turn? I go go ahead. You're you're good. We're, we're kind of doing it free form okay. tonight. Yeah. Just uh, Okay. Yeah. Some of us <laughs> Yeah. Um I was just I'm a pretty big Star Trek fan. Um, I specific, uh, particularly DSN, uh, Deep Space Nine is probably my favorite because I like sci-fi a lot that is, you know, very character driven and talks about a lot of philosophical con concepts. If there's too much action and violence, it's not like I don't approve. It's like I just get bored. Um, I tried to get into Discovery, but I watched the first episode and it was too much action. I want to give it another chance, though. Maybe I mm -hmm. just need to get past the first episode. It does get better. There's a lot of action in Discovery, and I'm not. I like stories better. I like dialogue, so I know where you're coming from, and that's yeah, a I lot of. Yes, as a blind person. Yeah, a lot of modern sci-fi just has all graphics and all sounds, and there's no dialogue, and that's really annoying. But uh, the story does get better, and you might actually enjoy picard better the uh, yeah the... i started that and i planned to finish it oh, i liked yeah. what i saw of it it was really cool also i wanted to mention handmaid's tale which you could probably oh. classify as sci-fi um yes you know, it's that about, counts if any, but you first sorry no no i was just saying that counts that totally counts absolutely yeah um show about a um a dystopian future society where the religious right uh, takes over to terribly dystopian um, results. Kind of seems like that might come to fruition, though, with our yeah. current society. Oh, my we, God. We, oh, God. We, we will oh. hope that that stays in the realm of I know, right? Fiction. Exactly. Let's hope that stays speculative fiction and not reality. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I'm going to jump ahead. in here. Um, that uh, Handmaid's Tale, it's interesting, the organization name is Gilead, Gilead, which is the name yeah, of a name big, of a drug. huge drug company. <laughs> How ironic is that? I know, it's right? So the one the, that came up also with the in the COVID, Bible, and I think blah, that's blah. where they got it from. Talk about then, controlling people's perception through drugs. You know what's even weirder? <laughs> you know what's even weirder is when a, a company chooses a name. It's it's one thing if a sci-fi series comes along and uses a name that sounds similar to a company that exists, but it's even worse when they pick a name that is totally based on something in in literature or film or TV and it's they should know better. There's a a drink company called Soylent. <laughs> and I will never, ever, 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 ever drink Soylent. No. Because you don't pick green? that name and not know that it's made of people. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> yeah. So wow. um, I know everybody's chomping on the bit. Does anybody else want to get in there and talk about sci-fi and movies yes. and TV? Come, come on like in. Avatar. 
Kim, was that Kim that said that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Kim did not say I like Avatar, no. Uh, oh, who? But you stole my Soylent Green from me. I was going to Oh, I'm that. sorry. Well, tell us a little bit about what you thought about that. I thought it was disgusting, and really all I remember was people, what, how did they say, say it in the end? People, yeah, Soylent Green is people. That's what it was. Yes. Anyway, I, I got uh, one more that I wanted to mention, and it, it, it doesn't fall in, in any of your categories of books or movies or um, TV shows, and that is War of the Worlds. Mm -hmm. Oh, radio. Tom Cruise version, but the original. Orson Welles, yeah. We and God, I could do a whole show on audio dramas and old time radio because there's so much good stuff out there. Dimension X oh, and yeah, X minus one, the tw the Twilight Zone drama series that they did in audio was so good. And ah, oh, man, somebody said My... they liked Avatar. Who was that? That was me. Hello, Leah. hello, hello. Hi. Hi. So, uh, hold on a second. Who was it that said they liked Avatar? Uh, it's Anne speaking. Hi, Anne. Hi. Uh, oh, uh, you guys were talking about the sci-fi shows. My favorite were um, Buck Rogers, Alf, and uh, Knight Rider. Well, those are the ones I have on DVD. I didn't, I, but I used to enjoy all kinds, like uh, the original Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah, man. I, kid, yes. I used to love that show. Yes, I love the original <laughs> Battlestar. That was so good. And I was going to try and do my imitation of how, huh, you're killing me. But, you know, just, eh. anyway, so <laughs> oh, you kill me. Ah, yeah. ha, you I'm... kill me. So uh, somebody wanted to talk about Avatar and I wanted to give you a chance to, to talk about that briefly. That yes, Leah. That's, that's Leah, me. Okay. Um, Leah, tell us about I Avatar. I really love James Cameron's Avatar. That to me was just like one of the best movies made. Um, not only now I'm a blind ally, so I'm, I'm sighted, mm -hmm. but I can't wait. I've been chomping at the bit since that movie came out for all the sequels that he's promising. Yeah. And you JD told me, and I talked about it earlier. You, you told me that you were going to, you told me that they were going to have all kinds of sequels to it. And I just, I yeah, would love that, but it's been so long since the first one. It seems kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to. Because all the all the actors are going to be in wheelchairs at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. I mean, thank God for CGI because you know, right? Reality, you yeah. know. But at least maybe they get better. Tell me about it. Because of the fuel or whatever, and being in you know stasis mm -hmm. for all those years to get to you know the planet or whatever. But supposedly one's going to be underwater, you know. But I've been so excited that you know that because when I watched the movie, the movie just speaks volumes and just you know has some like religious undertones to it mm -hmm. in a way um but that was probably one of my favorite science fiction movies that's awesome um, i may have to rewatch that yeah. it, it's definitely an yeah, epic it, tale and, and it, it definitely really has is. audio description has any has anybody ever seen the 13th floor was yes. that the one about the computer simulate kind of like this the matrix a little bit where there is simulation yes. inside of a simulation and all that. Yes, I I love those kind of movies and like Minority Report and all these different weird kind of hunger weird games reality reality bending stuff. things and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So so has yeah. anyone been trying to get in and not been able to? I I want to make sure that no one feels 
alienated because even though just because we're talking about aliens i don't want anyone to feel alienated <laughs> so it's jeff in minneapolis i'll jump in here quick uh, hey, jeff, jeff, jeff wait you live in minneapolis i could just talk to you about sci-fi yeah. at the nicolette diner go no, just kidding <laughs> well we could actually Let, let's now we can go to a restaurant let's meet there tomorrow <laughs> all um, right so oh, tell anyway, me what you got to say someone someone mentioned the original radio war of the worlds my dad actually remembers listening to that when he was a little boy. He was like six or seven. And he remembers listening to that with his brother, who was like mm-hmm. three years older and scaring the hell out of him, you know, trying to make that radio drama even more scary, more oh, realistic. He was messing with him. He Did he know yeah, it was fake? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, and my dad, you know, just totally bought into the whole thing because the issue was there weren't any real commercials because they couldn't sell any commercial time. So the drama just ran the whole way. And so that's why people thought it was real. Right. Because there was no commercial interruption. No one had done anything like that before where they put, you know, a fake newscast, you know, that, yeah, that was advertisers, advertisers were scared to advertise on it. So, right. um, and and then as far as audio described stuff, um, Back to the Future is described on Netflix. I think all three of them are up there on Netflix described. And um, I I noticed that ET is described now on Netflix. And then of course oh, Lost it? in Space is there. Uh, you know the the Netflix version of it. So um, I, I'm really enjoying all of these classic movies finally getting description because oh. I, I have had to live, you know, half my life with no description or very little of it. And uh, even though I can see some, I have 2200 in my left eye and totally blind in the other. I still prefer descriptive audio because you miss so much if you don't have it, especially in modern stuff with texts and stuff, texts and emails and stuff being shown on the screen. Oh yeah. Or subtitles yeah. or notes or whatever. So I'm really and thankful for that. F- people's facial expressions, you know, being, verbalized and body language and that's something that sighted people get that we just don't pick up on at all so movies that i grew up with and and watched as a child i remember seeing the 2001 space odyssey when it originally came out and i saw it a couple of times i just watched it last year with audio description and i was just wow there were things i never caught in the movie not big plot changing things but just little points that i would have loved to see (laughs) So I sure loved it. Yeah, when I become a describer for my wife, it's like, oh my God, I can't keep up. And she's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, this person did this and this person did that. And I have to literally pause it so I can explain all the facial expressions that go on within a, you know. Have you have you seen Wonder Woman with the best or Doctor Strange with uh, audio descriptions on? Those are two examples of a lot of content pushed. Yes, Marvel. Yes, all the Marvel things. I, I have well, a TV science fiction story that uh, can be told very briefly. I think it was in 19, uh, 2005 when ACB was in Las Vegas and they had the Star Trek experience at uh, one of the hotels. I think it was a Hilton. And uh, because a couple of the things in there were rather uh, jolting, I guess you would say, why uh, ACB had a place set up where people could stop and check their guide dogs in uh, because they didn't think the guide dogs would enjoy going on this particular ride. 
and they had people there to care for the guide dogs and so on. Well, it was pretty dark as you were walking into one of the space shuttles that was gonna take you on this trip where uh, you were gonna get jolted around. And this one guy who had a black lab got all the way up to the entrance and hadn't realized he needed to drop his dog off at the uh, base of the on-ramp. Oh no. And so they called and said, oh, we'll have one of our staff take uh, your dog back down to the, uh, to the station where you're supposed to leave your dog. You can go on in. And the person they grabbed to do that was in full Klingon regalia. And I think one of the most humorous things I have ever seen was a Klingon walking down the ramp from the shuttle with a guide dog. Uh, you, will, yes. you will park with honor! <laughs> this is Wes from Terra. Yes, Wes. I to mention, but I think it's really cool about sci-fi shows, movies, TV series like The Explorers, The Last Starfighter, and Back to the Future. Oh. It's kind of like the concept. Oh, like, it seems to make the possibility it can actually happen to you. So it's kind of set kind of in our universe at our time. And so I think the idea to get a guy that says, be off daydreaming, is I did like, oh, it's possible it could happen to you. Like, this could be happening to you is what these movies portray, which I think is cool. And also, there's another TV series that I scene which I with you so little about and that's other worlds and I never saw the whole series but I think I only had a few episodes but it's like about this family that went to explore had this tour guide take him down to explore the, the uh, pyramid in Egypt but right when they got into the pyramid I guess the all the planets lined up it's like you know big deal when the planets were lining up which like happens every you know million years or so but the plants lined up and somehow transformed them up to this other weird planet where they would meet these like this one colony of robots and meet like these people called zone troopers which are like the uh, enforcers or the police that enforce this place and just a bunch of weird stuff like stuff like that you know and it was pretty interesting series i never saw it completely through but these people trying to find out how to get back to Earth or their Earth. And it was really kind of an interesting show. I have to look that one up. The thing ran once and then disappeared. So it's like, and, and somehow they stole this special little crystal from this zone trooper. And, and they could use this crystal to get open doors and access computers and stuff. It was like what the zone troopers used to do stuff. And the zone trooper is like pursuing them, trying to get his crystal back. You know? Oh man, that's cool! I have to check that one out. Um, you, you, were, you were talking earlier about things that could happen to you. Um, there was an yeah. audio drama provided a, to a, to us by Graphic Audio, um, and they do Marvel and DC and various other um, comic book uh, stuff in audio format. And there was one that was a Green Lantern. It was a Green Lantern story called "A Hero's Quest." And it was the story about Kyle Rayner, who is a procrastinator, kind of a screw up, um, always late for work, you know, just an everyday guy. And the alien that was caring for the ring that was guarding it um, had been, you know, wounded or, or whatever. And he needed to pass it on to someone worthy. And Kyle was like the first worthy person he managed to find. And he was like totally not prepared to be a superhero, but he had this power thrust upon him and he just had to make it work. And um, 
that was one of those kind of like, wow, this, this could happen to anyone sort of stories that I really loved. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, do we want to get on to books? I have, I would one one more uh, obscure movie. I was going to ask if anybody remembered. It was called Battle Beyond the Stars. Uh, it was uh-huh. Fallout from Star Wars with John Boy from the Waltons in it. Oh my gosh, I have not yeah, seen. Yeah, I this. remember that. I saw that in the theater. Battle Beyond the Stars, and it was a Star Wars mm-hmm. thing. It was no, no it, 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 it rode the coattails of Star Wars. It came oh, out after Star were, Wars. Gotcha. Yeah, there were a bunch of movies about... that did that. You were talking about movies that are uh, audio described, and I thought of one that a uh, couple of uh, other another blind couple that uh, invited my wife and me over to uh, uh, see that was one of the early movies that came out with audio description, and it was really cool the way they did this. The description was "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's God. Yeah. See, that's another classic movie that I never saw uh, with description, and I would love that. I didn't know. Well, that's that's on Disney. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's a movie I really want someone to describe, and I wish I wish they would. I and, and Matt, your last name sort of uh, fits into this movie, Spaceballs. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, <laughs> I want that described so bad. So many visual jokes. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, let's quiet. let's get into books. And so, um, Matt and JD and I are going to um, tell you guys about our you know books that we really appreciated, and then we're going to talk about LGBTQ characters uh, in science fiction, and then we're going to open it back up for everyone to talk about their books or LBT, LGBTQ characters that they found to be um, important to sci-fi. So, my I'll give you two. My first one is eleven twenty two sixty three by Stephen King, and Amazing. Leah Leah mentioned the TV series, which is on Hulu. Um, it's about a it's about a man that travels back in time to try and stop the Kennedy assassination, and the universe does not want to be changed. And even little changes, the universe really begrudgingly lets happen. And um, he goes through a portal and winds up in the same minute and the same basically the same moment in time in 1958 and he has a couple of years to figure out what's going on and if he screws up or gets wounded or something he goes back to the present through the portal and then has to go back and start all over again and so of course he's getting older and he's had a few screw-ups and um he has to he has to wait it out from 1958 every damn time and uh it's a really it's a great story it's it's worth checking yeah, out. Yeah, it um, Another. Yeah, it is. I like that too. Yeah, did you like it? Did you did you read it on Bard or um, the Audible version? I read the Audible version. The uh, no, I actually read it. I found it at our library. Would you believe? On on audio, or did you have did you have to read it like physically read it? No, uh, it was on audio. Yeah, that the, the reason I ask is because that narrator that read the commercial version that you probably had at the library. He, he was really good. Extremely yeah, he good. Was. Narrator. Yeah. Um, so then the other one that kind of ties into this is um, a book by Audrey Niffinger called the time traveler's wife. And that was also a movie. Um, but it, the novel was so good. It was about a man that had a chronological disease that would not allow him to control his position in time. And so he'd be going about his day 
And it's, it's like seizures. You know, you, you have a seizure. It's uncontrollable. It comes out of nowhere. Um, and it can happen to you at any time. And, 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 and uh, so he would be doing something important, like driving a car or, you know, at work or something. And he would lose control and he would just show up naked in some time in his past. You know, could could That's show a up. Good one. Yeah, way. it's extreme. Why don't you tell me what you thought of that? Um, I did read it. This is Sarah, by the way. I did read it uh, a while ago. I, I want to say like ten or so years ago. And uh, there's just something about like the mystery of it all. You just never know what's going to happen next. And he would find himself <laughs> in the most strange situations. Um, but you know, the concept of time travel is very very strong there <laughs> i love that and i know i threw a bunch a of book i know i threw a bunch of books at your face um so did you know out of all the books that you've read that are sci-fi related since you're here since you chimed in i'm just curious i know you've read a lot of sci-fi books and is there something that really speaks to your mind oh i was muted um <laughs> that's okay outside but uh Let's see. Gosh, um, I really liked, I really liked Ready Player One. That was a really, really good one. Yeah, um, Ernest Klein. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, Ready Player One was really good. The Divergent series is really good. I'm currently in the middle of book one of a series called The Gender Game, um, and it's it's very it's very dystopian, but it's basically about a world where there's like men live on one side of this toxic river and women live on the other side. And um, I mean, there's like a whole slew of adventures. I'm not far enough in yet to give a proper synopsis, but it's very, very interesting. That sounds good. I'll have to check that one out. Um, so JD, did you have any books that you wanted? I, and I know making you oh, pick yeah. a favorite is hard, but can you give us a couple of titles? I, yeah, I've got a few, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a couple. Um, and it, again, it is very hard because I can keep thinking. One, I don't know the author, and I looked it up, but I didn't write it down. But it's a series, Sector General. Uh, if somebody wanted to look that up, it is on Bard. But it it's a a hospital out in space that serves every being of the galaxy, from beings that live on a surface of a, a star to those that live in, in Stygian darkness and high pressure. And it's, it's imaginative. A lot of the, the interactions with the different characters, uh, uh, humans are the one who founded the hospital, but uh, all sorts of beings staff the hospital. And it's a series of books, 12 books, I think, written over quite a few years uh, by an Irish author, I think written from the 50s to the 90s or 60s to the 90s. So the early books are definitely dated as far as how they portray interactions between men and women. But get beyond that, realizing that a lot of old science fiction, John Campbell, and everything, they, they portray women as, oh, they swim. Um, but uh, they're really enjoyable books. They're not hard science books. They're just imaginative with interactions with the different aliens. They're just so a, that's fun, one a fun that romp. I would suggest. Yeah. And you just look up the, the series Sector General. Those and, were good. Um, I, I actually did read those and I thought they were they were did. excellent. Yeah. I mean I oh, think good. I might have I think I might have fallen into the series kind of later, like the the, the more recent books. Um I really don't know when they were published, but they were very good. 
Yeah, I think I read one that was sort of in the middle, and then I went back and grabbed the as everyone I could find and started from the beginning. It's more enjoyable. Yeah. But another one I'll mention is one of my favorite authors, Lois McMaster Bujol. And she writes a series called the Vorkosican Sao Adventures. They actually changed the name of the, the series. It's, that's a bard name for the series. Mm-hmm. And it's a planet. Okay, humans have migrated across the galaxy, a bunch of different star systems through uh, wormholes. And this one planet that uh, the Vorkosigans are from, the uh, wormhole collapsed. And they were on their own for quite a few hundred years. And then it was reestablished. So they were brought, they went medieval almost, very old technology and feudal and everything. And then all of a sudden they're brought back into the whatever 28th, 30th century. And uh, it's the, the story of the, the drama between the, a, a high lord and the family and the, the, intrigue of the palace and the emperor and 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 all that and it's uh very enjoyable a lot of humor in the books a lot of great character development some i just root for the oh good what's this you know someone's always going to think of this when he finds out about it. i get really into these these stories so that's one i can i can highly recommend if you like anything like that that's awesome and there's a lot more we can keep talking about but i'll leave you with those two for now matt do you have some sci-fi related books that you would like to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I mentioned the body. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that's someone else was, um, I mentioned the body snatchers before, um, by Jack Finney, the short story collection that got me into sci-fi was I have no mouth and I must scream by Harlan Ellison, where, I mean, again, they mentioned a boy and his dog. And I mean, his early stuff, especially is just shocking and disturbing. Um, I mean, I am a, um, I'm a huge fan of the day, of the Triffids by John Wyndham, oh, yes. um, which has been made into a bunch of movies uh-huh. or mini series and stuff. Radio yep. dramas. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, again, I mean, I love kind of, you know, apocalyptic, you know, kind of stuff. Um, I will say in recent years, weirdly enough, some of the best science fiction I've read, I think it's actually come out of the, the YA space. I mean, I actually love um, the Hunger Games series, um, and I liked it more as it as it progressed. Unlike a lot of people, but I just did. I liked um, I liked where it went. And um, weirdly, there's a great science fiction, really, really one of the most disturbing science fiction books to have come out in the last um, 20 years or so. Was a teen book that became a big hit. It was on Audible. It's not right now. It'll come back. It was a bestseller. But it's called um, Unwind by Neil Shusterman. Um, and, uh, it's basically about, um, in the future, there is a war between people who are pro-life and pro-choice and they end the war by coming to a, um, an agreement that, um, abortion is, um, abortion itself is not legal, but you can choose at any point before your kid is 18 to unwind them, which is each part of them is diced up and put into someone else. So there's no loss of life. And the book follows three teens who've been targeted to be unwound. And it is a became this huge oh, um, award weird. winner and gradually over the years became this big phenomenon. And they three more books in the series came out. But the first one is one to watch. Um, it's actually written by the guy, Neil Schusterman, who 
became famous for doing Animorphs. If anyone remembers Animorphs from oh, yeah. a long time ago, um, who I remember Animorphs. Like, I listened to darker stuff. I listened to um, Animorphs yes, on Bard. Yeah. What'd you say? I listened to Animorphs on Bard, like when I was a, yeah. a young and yep, that was. He's that. a great writer. I mean, he's. A, I mean, he just went on to do darker stuff. Yeah. And you know, also, I mean, again, I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a note in. I know everyone's read it, or if you haven't, it's worth. You know, I love Frankenstein. I mean, I really do love the novel Frankenstein, and I think it really is a, it's a really interesting book. Um, that you know, obviously, the movies are. I mean, so so, so different. <laughs> oh, that's book. like the. Um, biggest horror story yeah it is i mean it's yeah. yeah i mean it's i mean it's such a it's such a it's such an interesting way of looking at science and horror mix and i just find it um i just find it to be this underrated that's not the underrated, beginning of classic. horror mm. it is it's yes yeah, i mean she's definitely oh. the the you know the, the mother of horror so nobody um, has mentioned ray bradbury isaac asimov uh jules verne that's yes. some of my favorites. I mean, Bradbury, I mean, I love Bradbury. I mean, the Martian Chronicles, I mean, is, I mean, yeah. amazing. I also will mention Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, you know, which Blade Runner was based on, where, again, like Philip K. Dick, I, I love Philip K. Dick stuff, and, and, uh, and he was a big influence on me as well. So, there, so there's just too many people to, to mention everybody because they're, they're all on my list too. Larry right. Ellison, I, I mean, Harry Ellison. Uh, Larry Niven, I, I love, oh. love his books, the Ring, Ring World series. So, uh, Matt, do you like? Uh, I would think this would be up your alley. Uh, um, zombie stories, zombie books. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I am Legend. If you, you know, I mean, I think of it as horror, but I mean, like, I am Legend is one of my favorite novels of all time. Well, are, are you? It, and you know, that's half zombie, tide. half vampire. Are you familiar with the Black Tide that... Rising series, John Ringo? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know the name. I haven't read it. I was going to say it. (laughs) J.D., you just stole my thunder. (laughs) You also reminded me of a horrible sci-fi film. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so it's Black Tide Rising. Is that what we said? Black Tide Rising. That's the first book. And there's there's a a number of books in the series. Then also there's a collection of short stories written by different authors writing stories for that universe. Okay, I'm but buying the first one right now. So incredibly enjoyable, <laughs> very enjoyable books. And, yeah, and I love everybody that, kind of that goes are all on Bard. So I had a couple of questions about the, the reader does good. Yeah. So, oh, I just so wanted to add, this is Sean. I went at a book, but I'll sorry. Oh no, you go for go for it. Um, I just wondered, uh, have we just started Dune? We just read Dune, and. Um, We've started uh, an M.K. Jemison book, and I think after that, if we don't go back to the Dune Chronicles, we're going to possibly um, look at some other books, like the book called City in the City by Channel Meevil. And I'm just wondering if anybody's read any of the more modern. Well, I guess Dune isn't modern, but City in the City is great. Dune, I mean, Dune for me was really dense. I had a really hard time getting through Dune. But you I know, the first the, time I read the Dune, first book I or didn't. The, but Sorry, I read it about yeah. a year ago and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. I had an interesting I, response to Dune. Like, I kind of thought that it, it dragged a little bit, and I thought it wrapped up a lot quicker than expected. Yeah. So There's a science fiction fantasy writer that I would like to mention. Uh, the first book I read of theirs was about 30-some-odd years ago. Uh, the author is Tannerith Lee. 
And uh, I think one of the books that's the most relevant to, uh, to this group would be uh, a book that uh, was called Don't Bite the Sun. There's a couple of interesting concepts in there. Uh, a lot of political commentary of the uh, old 1980s and 1990s through uh, what's in the book. But one of the things is that humankind has uh, managed to take over the administration of purgatory. So when you die or uh, let yourself be killed so you can get a new one, you go to uh, to uh, purgatory, which they call something like, uh, I forget, a forbu or something like that. And uh, you can choose a new body, which you get to design yourself, and you go back and you use that uh, body until you die again, and then you go back. And uh, so a lot of people sounds weird to change genders at various times in uh, their uh, design of, of different bodies and so on. And it really was one of the uh, first books that, uh, in my view, in the science fiction world, uh, explored bisexualism in a uh, fairly interesting manner. Yeah, there's a book um, by, an, uh, I can't remember her, the name, something, the, the Hand of Evil or something, where people are non-gendered or they get to choose their gender. Uh, this is where I asked my husband, what is the, the, is it, who is the author? She's from Portland. It's the hand, the left hand of something. Oh, Ursula Le Guin. Ursula Le Guin, yes. She died last year, guys. Yeah, she did. Well, actually, so did, does anybody know Vonda McIntyre? She was my neighbor oh, in yeah. Seattle and she died last year as well. Oh, oh no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think this is a good time to open it up and ask um, people to talk about uh, their favorite books in science fiction. So uh, did anybody else want to get in there and talk about their favorite uh, authors or favorite books? Uh, I read Asimov Science Fiction Magazine. I've been reading it for years. You know what? Ooh. I got to tell you a story about Asimov Science Fiction Magazine. Um, there's, a, a, there's a short story that was broken up into multiple parts and then turned out to actually be a full-sized book written by Robert J. Sawyer that I read in, in that magazine in like 2006 or something like that. Um, it was part of the uh, WWW Wake series, or Wake, Watch, and Wonder. I read the same thing. Yeah. Wasn't that good? Oh, I read, I read the whole series. It was part of a book club. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's very good, Sawyer. It's, uh, but also, I, um, I've been reading Asimov since, oh, I don't remember. I, when it was in Braille, I used to read it. Matter of fact, they even wrote them a letter and they published it. That's awesome. Uh, don't forget Analog. Science and Fiction, Analog. Science Fact and, Magazine. And there's analog, tons of... I read, I read once. I couldn't get into it. So Analog, uh, you know, I feel like Analog and, and Asimov's have separate, have different styles of sci-fi. Yeah. But, oh, but, they do. But each, yeah. each publication, each magazine definitely has some duds and definitely has some really good ones. It just depends. Um you know, mm. but there's also a lot of science fiction, science fiction magazines that we don't get to read because they're not in audio format. Um, <clears throat> however, a lot of these stories that are meant that are you know published in other print versions of sci-fi magazines, they can be heard on that escape pod podcast that, that <clears throat> somebody else had mentioned earlier. So um, if you like short science fiction stories, definitely go check out the escape pod podcast because there's stuff that, that gets published in other places that we otherwise wouldn't get to hear. Yeah, and the nice yeah, thing also... about 
This is Wes. Hey, this Wes. Here. And I thought one thing I thought was interesting, which I kind of read once. I don't know, I'm probably seeing on this modern media CD or something years ago that borrowed from the library. Thing is, kind of like where time travel came from, it's like it was a tool for authors to be able to set a story in a different setting in time. So it's like a literary tool for authors that can actually uh, move their story to a different setting in time. It's what I came across once. It's kind of like where the idea of time travel originated. The course of years went on, we started doing technical with the time machines and stuff. I mean, that, that's something I kind of think I've seen once years ago, maybe even decades ago. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Anybody yeah, else? Um, obviously, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court is a you know Tom yeah, Tom Mark Twain. Uh, I was going to. You mentioned Escape Pod. There's also the Imaginary World Worlds podcast that I believe sometimes republishes some short science fiction. Yep, and then there's um, Starship. Uh, Starship. Oh, what's it called? Sofa Starship or something like that, which is another um, sci-fi anthology podcast with um, audio. And then there's. I mean, there's so many. There's there's the Truth, which often goes yep. into sci-fi or horror um, topics. Um, yep. They did, uh, they're made of meat. I think I mentioned, uh, on a recent one. Mm-hmm. And, and there's another one that Matt might like called the no sleep podcast. Oh, I don't know that one. I've heard, I mean, I, the name rings about, but I haven't listened to it. Yeah. It's a, a horror, horror anthology, sci-fi or horror anthology podcast. Well, there's even a, uh, a, a podcast that I was listening to on, um, it was called, the horror of Dolores Roach. Oh wow! It's, it's like a. I don't know if anyone heard it. I haven't. No. Is it, it an audio? Dra- is it, it an audio bad. drama or really is it got, a? Really, it really got gross in parts, though. It, <laughs> she was like the Sweeney Todd of uh, Manhattan. Is it an audio drama <laughs> or is it an yeah. audio book? Yeah, you can go on po- Apple Podcasts and get it. It okay. has like two seasons. It's pretty good, but it really gets gro- gets gross in spots. <laughs> Well, thank you, Anne. I, I appreciate you mentioning that. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, and- it, but it gets really gross in spots. So if you have a weak stomach, I wouldn't. Sounds Just great. Be I careful. Love. Yep, yep. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anybody else have any books that they want to talk about? I do. Um, this is Leah. Leah? Um, yeah, there's, a, there's an author that I absolutely love. His name is Daniel Suarez. He actually went by the pen name of Leonard Zeros. So I initially thought he was like some kind of Russian guy. And it turns out he has, you know, Suarez in his name. So it was like, whoa, ah. wait a minute. Why did his name change from But the book that I really love of his? It's called Damon, D-A-E-M-O-N. And from what I was reading earlier, just to try and get a synopsis to kind of formulate my thoughts is uh, Damon's is to the Internet as Jaws is to the ocean. It's about this rich dude that like <laughs> builds all this computer software and stuff. And you guys were talking about Alexa earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, he has Damon's the first installment. And there's a second one named Freedom that came out four years later. But it's about this cop that's following and trying to figure out how to undo what's being done. Because the day the, this guy died, he had brain cancer, this rich guy. Mm-hmm. The oh, day yeah. he died and the internet search, the internet program of the Damon... Good read his name all the stuff started happening all these little robots and stuff and all these cameras started focusing in on people and it could kill people and there were all these like robotic dogs that would come after people 
um, and just trying to solve everything so they could get it to undo itself. But it became almost like a worm. Um, and then the second one is just, you know, continuation thereof that trying yeah. to get this guy's computer program, whatever. But the man's a really good uh, novelist. He wrote something called a couple other ones, Kill Decision, Influx, Change Agent. They're all good. But Damon, I would definitely recommend people reading that and its sequel. It's really good read. I, I have homework for you, Leah, because I know what kind of okay. books and TV show you like. I, I know okay. that you're like, oh, man, reading is such a pain in the butt sometimes. But you have I know. To... I'm that person that falls asleep when I read for some reason. You have to go read Ready Player One. That's that's your homework. I, All right. You got to do did, it. I did see the movie, though, so I'm I got so... that part. Yay. And I think now that I've seen the movie, I can go back and read the book, and I probably will really like the book better. Well, and especially because you are like all about 80s nostalgia, I promise you, you're not going to fall asleep. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, there's only two books I haven't fallen asleep for, and that's Damon and the Da Vinci Code. Those are the only two since I'm an adult oh, yeah. <laughs> that I've not been able to like. You know, I couldn't put Da Vinci Code down for mm-hmm. to save my life, but that's neither here nor there. So, but that's my two cents. Awesome. Anybody else have books they want to expound about? About? Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Um, a couple books. One I remember when I was a kid called uh, House of Stairs, and it's about um, this big, huge warehouse space that has nothing but little flights of stairs and landings. Mm-hmm. And and eventually it's filled like with four or five little kids, and they find each other, and then they have to work together to get food. And the food dispenser is um, conditions them to behave in certain ways by flashing colors. And if they, you know, do what they're supposed to do, they get food. And basically, it's the government trying to, you know, learn how to manipulate behavior. And then after these kids are in here for uh, a year or so, then the government lets them out. And at the very end of the book, they're released and they go out onto the street and they see a stop stoplight. And they all start dancing because they see the green, yellow, and red light flickering. <laughs> oh. And that's that's what the food dispenser conditioned them to do. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> that's and, so weird. And, and another uh, trilogy that I liked when I was a young adult, uh, the author was Roger Zelazny. Roger Zelazny. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a bunch of books. Courts, Courts of Chaos was the first yes. one. And then he wrote a whole bunch of others, and it was so good. It's about a, a family who they're like sorcerers, um, but they're like royalty, and so there's all this intrigue and infighting, and you know they're kind of trying to knock each other off, and but yet they have these kind of mystical powers, and um, it was just it always stuck with me. I've, I've read it several times th- through the years. Yeah, that's the Amber series. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then one last one that kind of stuck with me, it's called Dust, and it's on Bard, and it illustrates the concept of about every 50 million years, the planet resets itself, and this is what happens now. And so it's about um, civilization de-evolving and, um, you know, shutting down and the the uh the scene takes place you know various points on earth and then also the space station and at the very end the 
International Space Station, the people are seeing all the lights on the planet go out because everyone's dying. And then they're trying to figure out, so are we going to burn to death or are we going to starve to death because there's no one to bring food anymore and or fuel. And uh, right. Yeah, because I was thinking, oh, well, they're in space, so they're doomed to survive and be the last two. But they wouldn't because they no, they they just ta- it'll just take them longer to die because they don't have any yeah. new food. Exactly, and yeah. they'll and they'll know that eventually they're going to fall out of orbit and burn up. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'll have to check that one out. It's like that movie Ast- Astra. I haven't yeah. seen that one. I haven't Ad seen Astra. it yet. Yeah. yeah. All right. Did anybody else want to get in on books? I got one more for you guys. Um, you guys know that uh, James Patterson has done a lot of sci-fi. Okay. And, w- and which which specific book are you thinking of? I- I'm seeing oh, if I can guess which one. Just, yeah, he switched over to doing some pretty cool sci-fi. I cannot remember the name of it. Oh. Well, I know. I was going to guess. It's not really sci-fi. It's more technology horror and anti like i don't know it there's a book called the circle or not the circle um the store that's a different book um the store by james patterson is about a company kind of like amazon um doing some really nefarious things with their employees like hiring them hiring them and then having them move into this town where everything is taken care of for you but you don't really have any freedoms and they're watching everything you do and part of it's amazon yeah kind of like amazon but worse because i mean parts of it were convenient like things that that the store knows that you're short on peanut butter because it has eyes and cameras and scanners all over your house so you just get new peanut butter but they also like know everything you do and if you if you step out of line then you know things happen to you and that was that was was kind of you get on robots too i i just can't remember the name of it but it was oh uh bow down um humans bow down that's the name of i just finished reading it a month couple months ago Hmm. i'll have to check that one out there, there's one last book I wanted to mention before we move on from books. So if, it, if nobody else has anything they want to try to get in there, I wanted to mention one last one. But did, does anyone have anything else? Does anyone remember The Giver? This is Sarah. The Giver? Yeah. I love The Giver. Yeah, I read that in school. That was that was one of those like sort of mandatory reads. And the, and the movie that they did wasn't actually bad. They had a, a movie version of it that was modern. I heard- this is Wes. I saw another thing. I didn't know if there's a book about this, but I heard it as a radio play. And, got a, and I have a CD of it as a radio play. I think a CD could work it on me. But the story is called A Logic Named Joe. And this is set back like in the 1940s or so when they're doing these radio plays. But basically, it's almost a freaky prediction of the internet that I mean, the Oxford guys, I mean, this is way before internet or personal computers or, or maybe even computers, but it's like it's so close to the internet, it's freaky. And so about this company that puts out these little things that look like, I guess like little TV sets, but they have keys instead of dials. And they call these things logics. And you take them home and you plug them into this jack, I guess, in your house, and then it's done by wires lead to these big things like these data centers that they have where they kind of store a bunch of information on the place. And so you can ask this logic something and then it would tell you. 
you know, it would go to all this, these data centers, find the information for you and tell you. And to be concerned, what about people ask you if they would tell you how to kill their wives and stuff like that? So a lot of concerns about the stuff giving incorrect information and they say, oh, there's filters and stuff to keep people from doing that. But then because one of the, the logics had a malfunction, had defects. And what happened, this one kid got this logic and this logic gave information how to make like poison darts, stuff like this. And the show is about like this police officer detective that had to hunt this logic down, you know, and stop this kid that gives information on how to, you know, harvest parrots, how to make poison darts and things through this logic. I mean, if you're here, it's just so freakishly close to the internet. It's just amazing. I you love it when I love it when sci-fi does that when they predict things that are going to happen and they get it freakishly right. That's exactly what happened with this thing. Has anybody else heard about this logic named Joe? I haven't. Anybody else? No, not I. <clears throat> All right, no. that's that's homework. We got to read okay. that. Gotta find out this one. I, mean, I don't know. It's a radio play. It's what I heard it is. I don't know if it's a written version of it or not. Yeah, well, Google it. All right. So um, I would like to move on to... Oh, I wanted to mention one... Oh, was there somebody else? Yes, this is Elizabeth. I was just hey, curious. Elizabeth. Being from, um, being from here, from New Mexico, is anyone familiar with Tony Hillerman's books? Uh, he writes He writes a lot of sci-fi, but they're, they have to do with like native folklore, too. I have not read any of his books. I'll have to check that out. He is a he's a Native American author, but mm-hmm. um, like I said, uh, he has a a series of about two two uh, cops, you know, that go and they have to solve all these uh, all these mysteries in in different books. But it does deal with the like the Navajo uh, folklore thing, and it's they're very interesting. They're very cool. Thank you for the recommendation. I'll, I'm going to go look for that and check it out because I like I, I like the idea of that. That sounds really good, and and I'm glad that you were able to come to the to this um, talk because we talked last week and I I was uh, hoping that yeah you'd be I here. had a I had a problem log, logging in though I don't know what the heck was wrong with my phone ah well I'm, I'm glad you figured it out before we before we move on to LBGTQ. Uh, characters in sci-fi i just wanted to briefly mention um a a book that uh jd you mentioned john ringo earlier yes Uh have you have you read the looking glass series by john ringo yes oh my god that is such a good series if anyone hasn't read it yet it's so worth it um it's it's about these uh these portals that show up all, all over um, all over the place that basically allow people to travel the stars and travel from one place to another. And the humans uh, end up traveling through these portals and checking out space. And they have a, a basically a retrofitted nuclear submarine that submarine. has been turned into a spaceship. And it's so good. The scene in the second book called the Vorpal Blade where they're about to launch and they're in the ocean <laughs> and the Russians are nearby somewhere in a submarine and they, they say, okay, what we're going to do is we don't want any hit by our ship. So as we're taking off, we're going to blast the final countdown through our sonar speaker system and all the whales and dolphins and stuff will get out of our way. So they blast the song and the Russians are like, 
what is that music? And then the spaceship like hurdles through the ocean and up into the sky and into space and through the portal. And I just thought that would be such a cool opening to this movie if they ever made it into a movie. <laughs> that would, because when you mentioned it, I was thinking, oh, I love when the, the submarine took off. Yeah. So, yes, that's a memorable scene. <laughs> and there's all kinds of pop culture me- references in it. And there's all kinds of sci- like military yeah. sci-fi humor in it. Uh, like there's one scene where somebody... Uh, I don't know exactly, I can't remember exactly what they were doing wrong, but somebody suggested, well, maybe you should try using some ID10T fluid on it. Think about it, ID10T, if you spell it out like words. It's an ID10T error. Yeah, it's an idiot, it's an idiot fluid. I love that. I love that phrase. Yes. Okay, so getting into LBGTQ in sci-fi, I will just, we're running out of time, and we only have about 15 minutes left or so so i'm going to give mine jd you give yours and matt you give <laughs> yeah yours. it's going to be the same one yep. i bet so okay uh all right it, 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 all right at the count of three you tell me which one it is three character two or real name what character <laughs> oh character character three two one captain uh, jack captain jack <laughs> from doctor who i met him Yes, I love him yeah, too. Yeah, I know you did. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> did he have white hair when you met him or did he still have black hair? He had brown hair. Or brown. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Because he has yeah. white hair now. Really? Yeah, I looked at his Does Instagram. Does it make him look old? I don't know if it's because he made it that way or if it's because he's gotten older. Um, but No, what... no, no. He 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 died it for some... I, I can't remember because yeah, I just saw a picture it. of him. Yeah, and yeah. it was all of a sudden because it was brown one day and boom. Yeah, and I wondered what what, yeah. what that was all about. Probably for something. Yeah, <laughs> not enough vitamin D in his diet. <laughs> so, so the other um oh, and Matt, did you have any characters in the LBGT spectrum that you wanted to mention? Sorry, not not characters. I was going to mention a science fiction novel called Ammonite by Nicole Griffith, which is uh. Just um, it's basically a novel that actually has no men in it, but about a woman who uh, it goes to a planet that is only inhabited by women and is just a it's like an action adventure uh, novel. But it is, um, you know, obviously very, uh, very gay friendly. And just that's awesome. I have I have so many yeah. things to read. Um, <clears throat> there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, there was a book called The Falcon Banner, and it was written by a guy named Christopher P. Leiden. And I don't know if there's an audio book version of this book. However, um, there's an audio drama of it. And our very own Chris Snyder plays a part in this audio drama. It's about a guy named Darian who um, was a cop. And he ends up, um, I forget exactly what happens, but he, he basically gets sick of, you know, he gets sick of how things are on earth. And so he ends up leaving and he kind of gets sucked into this whole sort of uh, space opera mission sort of thing. And he ends up acquiring or becoming captain of a ship. And the chief engineer played by Chris Snyder is uh, Elias. And he is the, um, you know, he, he becomes the uh, love interest of this captain. And um, it was, it was just a really good story and uh, well worth the read. And also the audio drama of it was really good. So if you look for the Falcon banner and then darker projects, which is the audio drama company that made it, that's, that's another thing that you worth looking at. Did anybody else have any, um, LBGTQ characters that they wanted to talk about? Yeah. 
Lost Girl with Bo and uh, Dr. Lewis or Lauren. Um, Bo plays a bisexual succubus who basically, you know, she's trying to come to terms with, like I had said earlier when we were talking about TV shows, but her and Dr. Lauren, when Dr. Lauren goes to examine her because they don't know what she is, Dr. Lauren's like looking at her and it just, there's like this energy between her and Dr. Lauren, but then there's also another gentleman um, named Dyson who she's into too. So she kind of like goes back and forth depending on what season it is and who she's like, you know, hot and heavy with, but very good characters and the way they interact and whatnot. That's so, so that cool. My vote. I, I found out where the lodging named Joe is. It was, it was, it's, Written by this Murray Linster, M-U-R-R-A-Y-L-I-N-S-T-E-R. <laughs> okay. It was first published in the March 1946 issue of Astounding Science Fiction. That's when it first appeared. So it did come as a written short story. And then it became an audio drama. Okay. Eventually, gotcha. like in 1950, X-1 and Dimension X had... X Dimension X published it as a radio play in 1950 and X-1 then played it in 1955. I will definitely look that up because that, that sounds like an interesting uh, radio drama and I, I want to I listen to that. Yeah, it's a short story by this Murray Lanster that, that came up with this. So it's yeah. Um, cool. So I had a few other um, LBGTQ characters that I could think of. Um, Jadzia Dax from Deep Space Nine. Um, so sure. I didn't. I used to watch watch Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine. I don't remember that. I, I think Jordy from um, Star uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation was gay. I don't know. I, I don't know, know if that was blind. ever. I don't know if that was ever confirmed, uh, or if that was ever like uh, definitely. You know, I think. I think maybe. Jordy had issues with women. Uh, like he never really had a, a very strong love romance. And there were a couple of stories about him falling in love, but there was nothing, nothing major. There was another one uh, that I thought might've been gay, but uh, it turned out that he wasn't because he, he just was shy around women. But uh, Ensign Harry Kim, uh, I thought maybe in the beginning of the series that maybe he might've been gay, but it was just that he was bad with, he was bad with romance. So yeah. If you go back through a lot of classic science fiction, you'll you'll see a lot of different tropes of of uh, LGBT. Though they might they weren't stated as such, they were they were either subtle, or even aliens with with uh, different sexes or transsexual or, you know, so many different things that are in so many. Even um, I, I mentioned Larry Niven, and one thing I liked about like the Ringworld series and, and other Larry Niven books is they have this thing. It's a it's a uh, a doctor basically, an automated. You know, if you're hurt, whatever you fall into it, and it'll just completely rebuild you if necessary. But you could also use it to change anything about you. You could grow wings if you want. You can change the color of your skin. Or you can change your your sex, and it was normal for people to do do that. They could live for fifty years as a male and live for fifty years more as a female, and then change again and, and do whatever they want. And that, that mm. it's common in a lot of science fiction. So science fiction has been pushing sort of the LGBT envelope amongst mainstream for quite a while. 
Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if the um, Martians in the Martian Chronicles were gay because they they killed all the men. <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> There's a lot of speculation in in sci-fi about about sexuality. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not really spelled out, um, but it's alluded to. Um, <clears throat> so what about Xena. Yeah, like Xena. Like, well, there was. I know. How could we forget about Xena, the warrior yeah. princess? You know. Well, yeah, she was cool. Well, technically not sci-fi. That definitely yeah. deserves a nod for sure. Absolutely. Just like Frankenfurter is not really sci-fi, but it's not really <laughs> not sci-fi. So. True. Yeah. Don't like Canada talking again. Um, there's a TV series. I presume you guys get it too, called Orville. Oh, oh yeah! yeah. There's, there's the main gay characters in it. They're yeah. husband and husband, and they're really quite <laughs> odd. Like, for instance, their eating habits—they eat glass and cactus and no. And I love it when they try to make him eat all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> it's I'm, a hilarious spoof of of Star Trek. I think is what they were trying to trick. Donald, here. I'm really glad that you mentioned the Orville because I'm really kicking myself for not mentioning the Orville. Um, in a time where we don't really have old school style Star Trek, you know, next generation Deep Space Nine Voyager style Star Trek. We have sort of a a bastardized version of it in Discovery and uh, Picard, and they're okay in their own right, but they're not what we had, what we were used to. But then again, neither was the next generation. I'm sure there are plenty of disgruntled original series people that thought that, you know, the original series was, oh, they're just trying to modernize it. They were their uniforms and they were everything. Yeah. Why is the captain wearing a red shirt? Well, they did did that from Star Trek. When he can't do a French accent at all. Fair. Yeah, they did that from next gen. The original, the motion picture to Star Trek Two, though, right? They kind That's of true. It was seventies in motion picture, and then it became very eighties corporate in the next one, right? Yeah. So I wonder. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about that, but you're right. And I wonder what people thought when they saw the first red shirt on a captain. Like what? Oh yeah. Why change the color schemes? They were just ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yes, so I... has anybody seen Galaxy Quest on that? Oh. No? Yes. Oh, I, mean, I, I don't know if that's come that. up yet. I love that. Oh, that's such a good movie. And I, I, I'm just so glad that we have Donald. Thank you. Cause I'm glad that we have the Orville to sort of take the place of what, what we're missing as far as Star Trek and the old style that it was. I, I just thought of, you mentioned sort of um, crossover or sort of on the boundary of science fiction or maybe near science fiction. Um, it reminded me of a couple of things. One was a movie called um, Black Moon Rising about this supercar that ran on hydrogen um, in the 80s. And similarly, a Blue Thunder uh, that came out in the 80s about the 1980 Olympics. That was a great movie. Blue Thunder, great movie. Yeah, yeah it's, but it's sort of near science. I mean, today it feels like reality, honestly, but mm-hmm. it, at the time it was near science fiction and it's, does anyone oh, yeah, have with all the cameras and the... the... Yeah, I haven't seen also... that, but I'll have to check it out. There was another That's movie, cool movie though. Magnum P.I., the guy who played Magnum P.I. in it about... Uh... Tom Selleck. Or... Yeah, Tom Roy Selleck. Shire was the main actor. Yeah, in, in Blue it? Thunder. There, at the same time, there was this movie about uh, police officers. Uh, I think that the gimmick was they had bullets that could turn corners. Oh, what was the name of that movie? But there was a series of... Sort oh, of pseudos- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, what was that? Yeah, I know which yeah, one you mean. Robocop? But, yeah. 
No, it wasn't no. RoboCop. It was before RoboCop, which is kind of it is more fiction science fiction. But I'd buy that for a dollar. Runaway. <laughs> what was it called? Runaway. It's about okay. this cop. I guess some but some evil dude was like putting special chips and all these robots that people you know were using yeah, the needle spider robot stuff. things. Yeah, and then but it, but these chips are turning these robots evil, where they start killing killing people. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, villains had like this gun that had like these bullets that like little miniature missiles that could actually, you know, lock in onto your body's uh, heat signature yeah. and would chase you down and go around corners. So I think that's a, it's sort of. The reason I brought it up is sort of at the end that it's not what we'd call sciencey science fiction, but it's on that verge of it's almost reality because like Blue Thunder today is today in some weird ways with the surveillance. Today state. they have everything that Blue Thunder had on it, but just that yeah. they have more. They can look, they yeah. can see what's going on on the ground with the helicopters, and they just don't have guns. Uh, they don't have armed police helicopters. That's what Blue Thunder was. I mean, Knight Rider was sort of, I get, well, Knight Rider was more science fiction, I suppose. And there was a, like in the 80s, there was that TV series Probe that was kind of, it was very science fiction-y, but also not. It was stuff yeah. that's sort of on the edge. You, you have all kinds of shows and, and stuff that sort of straddle the line between sci-fi mm -hmm. and not sci-fi. Well, well, guys, yeah, but it, that is legitimate sci-fi. So yeah. yeah, yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and and drop the feed to ACB Radio, uh, and thank everyone for listening to our presentation on science fiction. And um, <clears throat> we'll be back next week with yet another presentation. And I believe that one. Don't quote me on this, but I believe they're going to be talking about uh, about romance. So that that if you're into romance in movies, TV and literature, then that might be worth checking out next week. All right, we're going to go ahead and drop the feed and we'll see you guys next week.